You know what I love about having a weekly podcast, what I love about more than anything in this world, is that I can just talk whatever I want to talk about and say what I want to say. While I'm sitting here at the mop in my house and sweep my floor sweaty like a motherfucker and a little hot, but excuse me real quick, swig of Sprite for the working man. That's really good. Sprite's always refreshing no matter what. Welcome everybody to another Conversations episode of Conversation with Shelby Green. I'm your host, the main man, Shelby Green. Uh, appreciate the feedback on the Thursday edition show. I apologize for getting out, but today I got nothing in front of me. We're going to rock and roll and get this thing off the show today. I got about an hour to talk to y'all. We got a lot to talk, but we got some NBA Finals action to talk about. We got a Transformers Rise of the Beast review of, <clears throat> of a uh, Rise, of Re- Rise of the Beast uh, review. Spoiler. I was going to do a franchise ranking, but I said I'm going to back off on that. Also, want to talk a little a little basketball with you, like always, because we're getting we uh, the final roster is there, and I got some predictions I want to talk about. But in the meantime, like always, I appreciate every single person out there who has downloaded, subscribed, done whatever, shared a post. I appreciate every single one of you guys. It means the world to me. That being said, I also have some announcements to make. As you, hear, you hear that Sprite just sizzle in the background? Just that Sprite sounds so good. I mean, it's a red Solo cup. I swear there's nothing else in this cup but Sprite. <laughs> well, it's younger be a little different. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Facebook Live things. They will be returning very, very soon. Um, probably not this weekend, but next weekend it will be. Um, I just got a lot going on. I've fell off, fallen off a little bit. Had to work some extra hours. Done a lot of things, whatever. I might... Sunday night during Father's Day weekend, I might just turn around and just say, you know, let's get this thing done, rock and rolling. You know how it goes. It is what it is. So, anyway, that being said, guys, I always uh, am very appreciative of like your support. Um, always being, you know, always asking questions. I've got some email questions. Finally, after all these years of promotion, I got two email questions. One, who are some guests that you would like to have on the show? And two, when what will, will the conversation Shelby Green become into a YouTube channel? So basically, here's the thing. The guest aspect was, if it, like, who some guests? Like, if you're talking fantasy-wise, I mean, God for sakes, I'd love to have The Undertaker on here. I'd love to have uh, Kenny Payne on here. I'd love to have guys like that. Uh, people that I grew up idolizing. I'd love to have Denzel Washington as a guest. You know what I mean? Those are some fan, fan, like some fantasy-wise. But probably if we're talking just as a um, as a fan or just like people personally, Travis Shabar is number one. Travis Shabar is a former podcast host of Horrifying My Friends. I don't think he's doing them any, the podcast anymore. I don't know. Travis has had some personal family issues you know his father has been uh, had some ill health and i believe i don't tend to stick my nose in that situation uh travis is a great guy i love to have him on the show um maybe when i get the webcam thing going on maybe we can do something with travis me and him can sit down and talk just talk horror films travis is one of those guys that i love talking to he knows his horror movies i'm one of them for sure um obviously jared uh, not uh, some people that i like to have around the city Obviously, I love to do uh, something with the Grind, the Grind Gang Show. Grind Gang Show was a former podcast show that was on 
on on, on uh, was on Facebook and, and was broadcasted that way. Unfortunately, um, it's not anymore. I would love to get Allie, Marcus, and Price all in this room and just get a good show to go. I love to do that. Um, obviously, I'd love to have anybody that has a. Um, I'd love to have a film critic, a local film critic in town. James Howell is another guy that I would love to have. James Howell is a. Knows sports. We can talk sports. He knows the situation. He knows his things. James knows his shit. I like James. I love to have a film critic, a, a solid film critic in here to talk movies with. Just things like that. But Travis Yabar is number one on my list of somebody I'd like to have on the podcast. That being said, guys, let's get into the meat and marrow of the episode. First off, I was watching this speed this morning. I was leaving clean the house, and I realized today will be the last time you see Shannon Sharp and Skip Bellis together. On FS1, where the reports are saying that Shannon Sharp and FS1 had a mutual agreement, a buyout in his contract. Shannon wanted out and left. Here's the thing, guys. A lot of people pointed to. I put a TikTok out about a couple months back when Skip crossed the line with Shannon about the Hall of Fame thing and Tom Brady being better than him. And then the DeMar, DeMar Hamlin situation. Everybody knows that. Here's the thing. I think Shannon and Skip were bumping heads a little while for the last year. Ever since the COVID-2020 bubble with the Clippers and the Lakers thing, I think Skip kind of takes things to heart, and I think he took he, he said some hurtful things to Shannon. There's a reason why a lot of people – Skip Bayless gets a bad rap. I've heard a lot of people say that, say that about him. Joy Taylor recently this week talked about how um, – uh, Skip does get a bad rep. He is a nice guy, but I've also heard otherwise. Um, Jonathan Coachman said there was a story about, I believe he tweeted out something about Skip, how Skip one time they were sitting down and talking on ESPN, and Skip goes, what do you know to debate me about golf? Just being arrogant. And and Coachman never said a word to him ever again. They would walk in the hallway, and Skip would try and walk by and say hi to him. Coach wouldn't say hi to him. I mean, there's a reason why Stephen A got first take. Uh, if you really believe it, Stephen A has first take because Skip left, and then Max Kellerman. And I honestly think that the show got better with Max on there. I like Max Kellerman. I like Max Kellerman when he does with K, uh, Keyshawn J. William, J. Will. Not a big J. Will fan to be honest with you, but in my opinion, I'm like I like Max, man. I like what he does with boxing. I like the, like him. I like I just like Max in general. I wish Max had more of a platform for himself. I think he likes what he does, but I would love to see Max have a bigger platform on ESPN than what he has. That's just my opinion. Ah, Sprite's good. So, that being said, where does Shannon Sharp go? Shannon Sharp go from here. He can go anywhere. He's got a club, Shay Shay podcast. Shannon Sharp is more popular now than he was as an NFL player. And let me let people remind you. Let me remind you. People should know this. Shannon Sharp's one of the top five greatest tight ends that play the game. The guy's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the guy flat out can fucking play, and it is what it is, um, and that's the truth. Now, where does he go? I think everybody thinks ESPN, ESPN. Here's the thing about ESPN. I think Shannon Sharp has came out and stated that he is a supporter of marijuana, and I believe he smokes marijuana. I just, I believe that. I think that's the truth. ESPN has been known to drug test for that. That might cause problems. Now, do I think Shannon can be? A guest once or twice a week on first take with Stephen A. I think it would be great. I think him and Stephen A. on first take, the ratings will go through the roof. That being said, I think CBS, even though I think CBS Sports is not what it was, it's not the same. I think Shannon Sharp on there would be great. I think it would give him a boost. Um, personally, I love to see Shannon on Sunday NFL Countdown. I think him going work Sunday NFL Countdown 
with foot with, with with for football would be amazing. I think if Shannon Sharp went on Sunday NFL countdown with the guys they got there, I think that's must see TV. So ESPN is probably the answer. Or let's be honest, Shannon Sharp has got that club Shasha podcast. He could probably make money on his own as an entrepreneur. He's got the deal with the the, the cognac. He's got everything going on for him. So Shannon, if I'm him, I take my time with this. I sit down and look at what's going on. I wasn't rushing anything. I take three to five months to sit back and relax. He's got his money. He's done well with his money. He's saved. He's paid his taxes. He's talked about that. Shan's going to be all right. Oh, man, that's good. So let's be honest now. So let's talk about FS1 and Skip Bayless. I now have no reason to watch FS1 unless there's a college basketball game or a certain game on Fox or a boxing fight. I have no reason because let's be honest, I don't like Nick Wright. I don't like Colin Kyle Hurd. I'm really not a fan of those two guys. Those two guys really just turn me off on Fox. I don't like neither one of them. Skip Bayless, I can listen to Skip because Skip is tolerable. I can I can deal with this bullshit. Here's the thing. If Skip can get anybody on that pocket, and also I can't stand Rob Parker. There's another guy right there. I just don't like Rob Parker. I think he's an asshole. He's he's an idiot. I, I mean, every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, just shut up. How do you have a job? As an email notification comes through, how do you have a job in sports? You, th- There was a story broke through about him. He Didn't he falsify a story for Michigan about a Michigan State a player getting a fight years ago or something like that? Somebody looked that up for me. But Rob Parker, I'm just saying, he's one of those guys when he, he immediately was on television, I just groan and roll my fucking eyes. Like, oh, my God, shut up. Good Lord. That being said, I think Chris Boussard would be a good idea. I think Chris Boussard knows sports. I think, he, especially pro basketball. I mean, he's on on uh, first. He's on uh, that show with Nick Wright, checking his ass every morning. In my opinion, I'm a big fan of um, Chris Boussard. But I think if you're going to go get an athlete, you need to get somebody. I feel like that show meant more because you had an athlete debating a guy that has been sports journalism for 30, 40, 50 years and skip. So you need to go get somebody. I think with high caliber. But who is going to attract more? In- more things. Shannon is so popular right now, it's going to be hard to replace him. It's just going to be hard, in my opinion. And that's just a fact in my in, in my thing. Unless Fox can go ahead and get Stephen A from ESPN, which is never going to happen. I mean, Stephen A, you think about this. Pat McAfee got a huge-ass deal. And Pat McAfee is money. Then you turn around, you get... Um, you get... What's his name? Um, now you get... Um, now, if the rumors, if you get Shannon Sharp now, those are two big, big guy, two sports media podcasters, hosts that are that are have personality and charisma. It will put P, it put EP, it put ESPN back in the forefront, in my opinion. So that's what I look at it. So, like I said, FS1 better do some do some search because they're gonna have to at this point. They're gonna have to now. Oh, that sprite just sizzles. So now let's talk about the NBA Finals. Congratulations to Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic getting the Finals MVP. And as a little fan, I will say this: congratulations to Jamal Murray. I know he played at Kentucky. I get it, but I can't lie to you. I've always liked Jamal Murray's game. I've always respected it. I'll give him the, give him his due. He did his thing. I just feel like my, Miami just did not have enough size. I think Miami's in the forefront. I mean, everybody wants to talk about small ball. You look at Denver. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six in their backcourt, 6'10", 6'9", six, 7 feet up front. I mean, they got a big-ass front line for a reason. And unfortunately, 
it you know you look what happened i mean they got killed they i mean denver beat them up they were just too big up front and you know i've heard some people talk about Hemi butler jimmy butler isn't what he is no jimmy butler's wore out and tired Miami has relied on for years. Bama Bio, Tyler Hero. They went out and got Kyle Lowry. But let's be honest, they got four to six guys on that team that play significant minutes that are undrafted. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin. Four guys right there I just named. And this is what I mean by this. Everybody, I saw some tweets that say, well, Tyler Hero played. Tyler Hero ain't going to make a difference in the series. He's just not. What is Tyler Hero going to do? Besides get wide open, hit some threes and stuff. It just, it's just, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. So, my opinion is this: Who is the guy that can help Miami win a championship? First off, they need another big. Kevin Love was good in this series, I think, but it wasn't the same. They need to go get another big with Bam. You have to go get somebody. Caleb, Kevin Love played really well, but you got to go get somebody. Like I don't know, maybe a Miles Turner. Someone that you can grab and say we can get outside of Bam that can go out there and create a little bit, protect the rib and can and help us with another body on the glass. Because how many times you watch outside Jimmy Butler and Bam on bio, somebody was rebounding. That they're the only two guys who were rebounding. It looks like. And another thing also too, Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy, but he's not going to be the number one option to win to championship. He's the guy that can get you there, but you need somebody else to go along that he needs to be along with. And in my opinion, and this is just my facts, this is the way I look at it. If I'm Miami, I take Tyler Hero, I take Kyle Lowry, and I take one of those undrafted guys and give a couple first-round picks, and I call Portland, and I say, "What is that enough to get Damian Lillard? I'm serious. You go get Damian Lillard. You get Damian Lillard with Jimmy Butler, with... Bam Alabayo, and you fill your roster in with those pieces, you got a shot to win a title. You got a shot to, to consistently say, okay, we got a guy we can get the ball to if Jimmy's tired, if Bam is not. You know, Bam played well in the series too. Bam Alabayo played really well in the series. It just Joker was much better on the other end. If you go with that and you hit that road and you get to that situation, you ha- you got a guy like, okay, Dame, you take us there. That, that, that helps. Go get that. Or... Hell, you know, that's what I would do. Speaking of Damian a little, I want to make this clear, Damian. Damian, I love you. I've always been a fan of you, but you got to get out of Portland. It's just time. It's time to get out of Portland. The three destinations I think my no, first off, Damian Lillard can go anywhere, and immediately you like, oh, we got they got Dame. It's a chance. But there are three squads right now that I would love to see. I think Dame immediately goes to and go, bam, you got it. Number one, I just says Miami Heat. Number two, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I don't know what L.A. would have to give up to get him, but if he goes to L.A., that means something. Dame is not the best defender, but he can score, and that's a third option to go. He's a lot better. He's a lot better D'Angelo Russell, but it is what on that. But here's a team that nobody's talking about, the Chicago Bulls. Here's why. You look at Chicago, Lonzo Ball, they don't know if he's ever going to play again. His knees are bad. I mean, he's had issues with his legs at this point. Zach Levine is on his base, so we don't know what, what Zach's going to do. DeMar DeRozan can't opt in or out of his contract. And Chicago really has struggled. But if he if DeMar opts in and you and Chicago can throw some pieces together and you can get Damian Lillard, 
I mean, it's a strong case. I mean, it's a strong case. Okay, or, you know, I've read, what if uh, James Harden leaves, you know, Philly? What about Damon Philly? Do you really think that Philly needs another small guard? Tyrese Maxey is a good player, but he's six foot three. What what they need, what Philly needs, if Harden leaves, they need another. Embiid's your one. He's your number one and whatever. What they need to do is say, okay, we have got to figure out a way to spread the ball around and we gotta figure out a way to get a they need a bigger guard. They need a six five to six foot six guard that can play the wing in the guard spot, that can create his own shot, can get guys involved. They gotta find a guy like that. Somebody like that. Get another small guard is not gonna work. I love Dane, but not in that situation. It does not fit. If you're gonna unless you get rid of Max and you bring him in, that's the way I look at it. I know everybody say about Fred Fred Van Fleet. Opting out of his, his deal with Toronto, going to be an unrestricted free agent. Here's my thing. Okay, he's going to opt out of Toronto. Where is he going to go? I think Fred Van Fleet is a really good shooter. I think he's good, but I don't see him being a guy. Look, they, look, I know he's got a ring, but let's be honest. Toronto won that ring because of two guys. One was Kawhi Leonard, for God's sake. And Siak, Pal, uh, Pascal Siakam you know, came through and won a title. And Siakam was there. Fred Fleet was a third or four option on that squad. Let's be honest. He wasn't even he it wasn't even him. It was he was I don't think he was starting. I think it was Kyle Lowry was starting at that time. So does Fred Van Fleet come in and go to the Lakers and make them a title contender? He is a he's a he's a better shooter than D'Angelo Russell, but is it somebody you're willing to give a huge max deal to have to get space up? Because LeBron, we don't know how much longer LeBron's gonna play. LeBron leaves L.A. What next year, two years, you're going to be stuck with Fred Van Fleet and A.D., the two guys that the Lakers need to go grab, Damian Lillard and Kyrie Irving. Now, look, I know Kyrie's had his issues. I get it. But there's one guy that can kind of tell Kyrie, hey, man, let's. I know you got this going on, but let's focus on this. Let's get this done. It's LeBron. LeBron's the one guy that can tell Kyrie, hey, keep your mind straight. We know what you want to do, but just relax. We got this. That being said, I do like that, and that's what I would go with, and that's what I would stick with, and that's what I'm saying. We'll have some when free agency starts. We'll look at some guys' contracts coming up. We'll look at some articles on here, and I'll talk a little bit more with you. But that being said, let's talk about the Denver Nuggets now. So where do they go from here? Mike Malone said yesterday in the press conference, "The only thing next we got to prove everybody we're a dynasty." Do I think that Denver Nuggets can win another championship? Yes. Do I think the Denver Nuggets can win three or more championships? No. Here's why. Jamal Murray's got a couple years left on this deal. Aaron Gordon's got a couple years left on this deal. Michael Porter Jr. What's going to happen if those guys' contracts come out once? Who, somebody's got to leave. You're going to, or somebody's going to take a pay cut. Somebody's going to have to leave. What Denver needs to do, they got a good core of guys. They got. They could have won another title next year or the year after. Absolutely, but... Where's your ceiling after that? People don't realize dynasties, Kobe and Shaq won three championships, but let's be honest, Kobe and Shaq could have won five or six together if they kept their head on straight. Let's be honest. Michael and Scotty, I mean, everybody knows that. I mean, they won, they had two three peaks. Um, everybody knows, you know, the Lakers and the, the Lakers, Magic, Russell, I mean, Magic, um, Jabbar, and Worthy. I mean, they won, what, five titles? Bird, Bird. Mikael Parrish, they won three championships. I mean, it just, I mean, it's hard It's hard to win one, but you're asking now, God, I mean, they're all in their prime. 
Joker's a two-time MVP. He's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He might be the best player in the world. It's either him or Giannis. So they got that going for him. But you also got to keep – can you keep Caldwell Pope? Can you keep Bruce Brown? Can you add some guys in the offseason to help your bench out get through the season? Can you keep Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. here together? I know Porter's locked up. I know – I think Aaron Gordon's got a couple years left on still. And Jamal Murray's another one. Can you afford to keep all these guys together? That's the thing. They've got to balance it out. But they can. They got a chance. Some people were saying they're like San Antonio. And I don't think they're like the San Antonio Spurs. I think they're a big man. They've got a big guy they can throw the ball down, down to and create for others. Excuse me, as I belch. I can create for others. And they have guys that can, you know, play a pick and roll, can do a lot of things like that. That's the way you look at the game, in my personal opinion. And that's what I that's what I do. And when I look at that, I think if you go out look, your starting five is perfect. You got a good balance of guys, but you got to add a little bit more to your bench. Now, obviously, in the playoffs, that bench gets thinner. You go with your five guys, sit down and play. But sometimes it's like, hey man, we gotta figure this shit out. Like, let's make this work. So it is what it is. I think, I think they can win a second title three. Not sure unless they add some pieces and keep some guys together. Mm. Ah, uh, that's good water. That's good. Uh, I said water. <laughs> it looks like water, but it's not. It's electric water. That's Sprite. Now let's talk about the main event for the day, y'all. Let's talk a little. You know, we're not going to talk about Louisville basketball day. We're, not, we're just going to skip it. Let's talk a little Transformers. Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Now, growing up, I missed the '80s Transformer era. The the era of the '80s Transformers and GI Joes were popular at the time. <clears throat> but I will say this. I absolutely have liked I when the first Transformers film came out in 2007, the Michael Bay, the Bayverse they call it. I liked it. After a while though, let's be honest, um, the Transformers have been a little little rough. Just a little rough. And in you know, you look at it, you know, I mean the, the Revenge of the Fallen Dark Moon, Age of Extinction the last night. The films got progressively worse after worse after worse after a while, and whatever. Then, you know, we had Bumblebee come out, which had a lot of, got a lot of good praise. And then Rise of the Beast came out, and a lot of people were excited about it. did a lot of good things. And then you get Transformers 1 that's coming out next year, which is a sequel. So, this was basically a prequel that took place. It's a prequel to the 2007 film, basically. But it is, it's a standalone sequel to Bumblebee. So it, it was interesting. What caught my attention was the fact they were bringing Rise of the Beast. They brought the Prime Prime Axles in it. So like always, we're going to go through the cast in this. Uh, we're going to stay away from who's this going to Peter Cullen, the famous Peter Cullen there. If you, you, if you know voice acting, you know who Peter Cullen is. Optimus Prime, the guy's voiced Optimus since the beginning. Um, Ron Perlman is Optimus Primal. Obviously, Ron Perlman, who played in Blade 2, but also was known for being the original Hellboy in the first two Hellboy films that came out years ago. And also, he's known for playing um, Clay in Sons of Anarchy. Peter Dinkle is Scrooge. Obviously, is Peter Dinkle is the midget, basically. The little person, midget, whatever. That is um, in... Obviously, that's in Game of Thrones. He was also in the uh, the X Men prequel series uh, movie trilogy. So him playing Scrooge's voice, Michelle Yeoh as Air Razor, a maximal uh, a warrior who trans who transforms into a falcon. Peter David Davidson as Mirage. We're gonna talk about Peter Davidson in a minute. Mirage. You got 
You got uh, Lisa Kersey uh, as Arch, which is basically the sharpshooter who turns into a motorcycle, basically. John DiMaggio, who's done a lot, a lot of voice acting. He plays Stratosphere. And you got Transit, uh, who plays also, he also voiced Transit in this. Dave Chabot as Rhinox. Uh, Michelle J. Rodriguez as Nightbird. Not Michelle, but somebody else. And um, Coleman Diego as um, uh, Unicron. Uh, Kristen Fernandez as Wheeljack. And Tayon as Chatter. So. Also, you got um, you know, that, that's the Transformers, basically. The and then you got the humans, Anthony Ramos as Noah Diaz. I'm not. I've never seen him before. Or anything, Dominique Fishback. I've never seen before. You, Luna of, of uh, Luna uh, Lauren Velez as Brand, uh, Noah's mother. Uh, Toby uh, Nowak as Reek. Never seen him before. Sarah Styles as Juliet and, Mich- and Michael Kelly as Agent Burke. We're gonna talk about him in a little bit. So basically. The one flat, the one, so basically a lot of human characters I have not seen before or not at least paid attention to. So, that being said, let's get into it. So, I'm not going to go shot for shot, like talk every plot point down with you guys, but we're going to spend a solid 20, 25 minutes on this probably, and we're going to talk about it. So, plain and simple, guys, did I enjoy this? Yeah, damn right, I enjoyed it. I had a great time watching this film. It's not perfect, I will nitpick some things. But I will state this, the balance you get in this film with the Transformers where, you know, I've heard the people that were would, that would cry and complain about it was, you get the Transformers, right? The Transformer films are, you know, they always, they were, they were great what they were with the, auto, the robots fighting and everything, but the problem was... They felt like they focused on the humans too much. They focused on the explosions and just this and that and blah, blah, blah. This film, I felt like, and also Bumblebee, and I've only seen Bumblebee twice and watch again. It does a good job on focusing more on the robot. Like, this is what happens. So you open up the film. You go to the whole world of the Maximals, and they are an advanced race of Cybertronians. There are beast modes. They come and attack by a dark, a dark god named Unicron, and their hairless the Terracrons are led by... A army of Pedacon scorpions and led by Scrooge. Obviously, Scrooge is the main. Think of if you're talking Unicron as Dark Side in DC Comics. Scrooge is like Scrooge is kind of like um, like Steppenwolf to him. If, if 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 people get my drift on that, and they come in, they have a great fight, and they're trying to get this great piece of technology from the Maximals that the the transwant key, which is opens portals through space and time, and that means that um that that Unicron is a dark god who sucks worlds, he eats worlds, he feeds on them, and they get in this big fight. The Maximal leader Aklan basically gives Primal hit the key and basically tells him opposite. He he leads him as the leader of the pack and basically. Um, Scrooge and him get in a fight. Scrooge kills him, and Scrooge goes, "You wait." Basically, Scrooge said some. I can't remember what line it was, but he he said a line where it was something to the idea of you just like basically it was a waste of my time fight. And he and basically, I believe, I believe saying, you're too you're too you're too late, Maxima. And the, the rocket goes off, and you see the max the primals leave. We jump forward. We jump forward into 1994 Brooklyn, and we meet. Um, Noah Diaz with his family. He's struggling to find a job to support his family. And 
you find out he's an ex-military cop. So here's the thing about the, an ex-military soldier. He, here's my thing. No, they don't. He goes for a job interview. He doesn't get it. They get turned down because of the military thing where he does not be part of a team, he was told in the interview, or something like that. Here's the thing. That was addressed one time in this film, and I don't believe it was addressed again. So here's the thing. If you had something there that had my interest with our character, like, okay, he's an ex-military service. What happened? Did he go AWOL? Was he discharged? Did he, did he you know, whatever. But nobody, they, were, they didn't talk about it. So I was like... I don't understand, like, why, like, you just didn't go with that. Also, so he meets his friend, Reek, and his Reek convinces to steal a Porsche 911 to sell, basically. Only when he finds out the Porsche 911 is, is the, um, is the, um, is Mirage, the Autobot, basically. He's an Autobot spy. Meanwhile, you meet the other, uh, while this is going on, you meet a girl by the name of, uh, you meet Atlanta Wallace, who's an artifact intern. She finds this 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 artifact that ends up breaking up, and it's part of the um, the um, the key that they're looking for. The uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Tramp Swamp key. And when that happens, she announces it lights up a bolt in the sky, which she can't see. And then you see Optimus show up and goes, "It can't be. It's our way to go home." And then that's when they go. You meet. Um, you get this big fight. And then you find out um, when Noah gets taken by Mirage. Mirage and him have some good, have some good, funny chemistry together. So basically, this film focuses on Mirage and Noah's relationship compared to the other relationships with the Transformers. So I like that. Now I will say this: Pete Davidson voices Mirage, and I'll be the first one to tell you I am not a big fan of Pete Davidson. I'm just not. Never have been, and he's not funny to me. He was great in this movie. I will give him his due. I thought he was great. Um, his his some of his one liners were awesome in this with his little zingers like like funny shit. You could tell he you could tell he's he's a clown. Optimus Prime as as serious as he can get in this film just really really sets the tone open. And like I said, I'm not going to jump. I'm not going to go plot for plot. But I'm just going to give you the subs of how this this how this happens. They end up having a big fight. Bumblebee and Bumblebee Optimus. Mirage and um, the uh, what's her name? Let's um, I go through the things. Um, Arky, they all go get through a fart with a uh, fart. The fight with Scrooge and the crew, and Scrooge ends up killing Bumblebee. And it actually, t it, 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 and it happens in front of Optimus. It happens in front of Optimus when it happens. So they give the story like, okay, Optimus has a reason to go get this motherfucker now. And they go they go to Peru to find the other the other key because. When Screw chases the key, he finds out he finds out from the Dark Lord, the Dark God, Unicorn, it's only it's only half the key, and it's in Peru. So they go, they meet with um, another. So when they go over to Peru, Noah, everybody, they go over to Peru. They meet Will Jack, who leads them to the temple. And they just as they're going through the they're going through the temple, they discover that it's not there. The Terracon show up and get a fight, and this is where this is probably one of my favorite battles in this. The, the my favorite parts of the scene. They're on this highway, this hill highway. They're going through going through the bathroom, and they get ahead. And Optimus stops 
in the middle of the thing, cuts him off, and he gets up and he goes, I'm going to, he, and I can't remember what the line was, but it was a badass line. Like, only Optimus can deliver. Peter Cullen just delivered, and him and Scrooge get in a fight that gets broken up, and Optimus says, I'm going to take your clean, head clean off, or something like that. They go to the, this jungle in Peru, and then they meet, they end up encountering with the, the primals, and basically, and basically, uh, Optimus comes out and goes, Stand down. I won't ask a kid. And then, I'm not the one to fear prime. You hear that? And then that's when they meet the, the Maximals. Now, I will say this. You meet all the, the you meet the Falcon. You, that's leading the way with them getting there to Peru, I might add. This is the thing I don't understand. When that fight happened on the hill, uh, Scrooge shot, uh, uh, shot the Falcon. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Shot Air Riser. Air Riser with the uh, or Poison Dart that basically mind controls her. And basically, they... And basically, she's become poison or whatever. And when they see her, um, Noah, I think it was Noah asked, goes, what happens when, like, you... Um, what happens when you... Um, she goes, what happened? You're, you're poisoning. And she goes, Scro and Scrooge fights, she's, you leaves a mark. And also, when Noah, before Noah left for Peru, his little brother has sickle cell, like a sickle cell blood disease, and he's not doing well, and he it, it hurts him. And he, him and Mirage, the little brother, have a little bit of a thing where you promise to take care of my brother because he wanted to go. But they did a good job. Instead of taking his little brother on there, they all, they... Like Noah went out there instead without him, so they did a good job telling that story. I thought, and 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 then of course, big fight happens where the corruption that Scrooge overtakes Cesar drives her mad, and she ends up getting the um, the part the second part of the key to Scrooge. They get away, and she goes kill him. He goes kill him. Azar has no Primal has no idea, and he is forced to kill her to save Alina. And then, but it, while in the middle of that, Noah is going to destroy the second half of Keith, and it, Optimus, Optimus begs him not to do it, and that's when it gets stolen by uh, Scrooge, and then assembles it on two halves of, 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 of top of a volcano, erecting a tower, opening a portal above Earth, so Unicorn will soon arrive. So, basically, the, the, now the heroes have lost, and they got to win, they have to win, they've got to win. And this is the scene... Where you know you can see shoddy CGI. These two, they start. They get this big ass fight that happens. They go back and forth. Um, basically, um, <clears throat> Mirage ends up in the middle of the fight, sacrificing himself. He gets killed, and basically his his car. He he's alive somehow, and he ends up giving his suit to Noah. And Noah stands up like he's gonna fight Scrooge, and Scrooge goes, "You think you can beat me?" And then Optimus goes, "He's not." And then Optimus shows up, says, "He's not alone." And by the way, I will say this: the Maximals, the 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 Maximals, there when they shield up and they get ready to fight, it's badass too. So you see a lot of great fighting, and basically, um, Scrooge is kind of overtaken. Optimus gets in there and he whips his and he basically whips his ass to the point where to show you the real power of Prime and rips his head off. Then they, they can't stop the scepter key because well what happened and Optimus gets out it gets him out of there go to leave and Optimus says the thing it's you as he's about to destroy this key to send the portal and to send Unicron back he and uh, Unicron says Optimus I can give you everyone and whatever you want anything you need he goes and Optimus yells out then just die and bam he gets him up in there 
It starts portal. Noah grabs Optimus. He can't hold him back. And then Maximal, um, Optimus Primal pulls him in and they get away from the portal. And basically, they leave. Um, basically, they leave. The Maximal stay on Peru. They, they, they salute him as they leave. Um, uh, in the aftermath, you see on 60 minutes that Alina receives neck recognition for discovering the temple in Peru. And then Noah and his family reunite. And then he has an interview for a security job. And it, you find out the guy who interviewed him is Agent Burke. And you find out that he is he knows all about him. And Noah's like, how do you know that? What are you talking about? Try to play stupid. And he hands him a card. And it says on the back, G.I. Joe. And then you get a mid credit scene where Noah repairs Mirage into a junk Porsche parts. And he shows Reek that he learns his Transformer. So that's why basically the film was. I will state this. I thought the story was very generic. I think that was the couple of breaking down positives. The best action fighting scenes we've had in this whole uh, since the first film, I thought, in my opinion. Also, I will say this: like one the line, the script writing for the Autobots, the line delivery was perfect, in my opinion. Um, for a two-hour runtime, though, it felt kind of quick. Like the climax was great when it was, but I felt like you could have pushed the envelope an extra five to ten, maybe fifteen minutes on the climax if you really wanted to. And then another thing I didn't, I wasn't a very, I'm not very fond of, and this is just my opinion, was the film takes place in 1994. Okay, 1994. I'm a '90s baby. I was born in '93, so from '96 to '97, I remember everything in my childhood. I just do. Here's my thing: if you're going to do a '90s nostalgia soundtrack, if it takes place a certain year, make sure it takes place the year that, that's in because. I kind of my mind. There's a lot of '90s hip hop in this. I'm thinking, 1995 that song came out. 1996 that song came out. 1997 that song came out. I'm sorry, man. I'm just I'm one of them cats where it's like, stick to the fucking year of the date. If you're not, just push the years into 1996, 97. That way, it, it you can expand your song playlist. I will say this: the, when Bumblebee does get resurrected in this film, he has a hell of a comeback. He, he, they play. They play, um, don't call it a, they play, no, sorry. He opens up the, uh, the panel, the paint plane he jumps out of, and you hear, you hear, oh, Cool J's mama said knock you out, which was badass, I thought. And also, Bumblebee, Bumblebee has some comedic lines where he comes back, he drops the, his, he, he plays his voice animatronic, and you hear him go, I have come here to kick ass. And that was, um, Roddy Piper's, line and they live i have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i am all out of bubble gum classic roddy piper line i thought that was kind of hot smile and made me smile so line delivery is great i will say this too the villains in this i mean scrooge was a badass villain to the point i'm like man like that was awesome you you've seen unicron as well so makes you very happy and see what they're doing so that being said what um positively like i said the, the, the CGI, the robots, giant robot fight looks amazing. Less explosions than the Michael Bay verse. Thank God. Um, less a little bit patriotism. Less a U.S. Army. Like It's like, let's focus on more humans and the more of the robots. We don't need the military and everything else involved. Like Stay away from that. God, I love America just as much as anybody, but damn, dude. Enough. Um, so they proved that. Even though the year that the soundtrack took place in 1994, 
it's still a good soundtrack. I'm just like the the years are mixed up on the songs. There's still a good soundtrack, but so it's like a mix. Like do it the like keep the years. I'm just you know what I mean. Now here's some negatives. Story felt very generic, and I will state this: as much as I love the Maximals, you teased this thing that the Rise of Beast it was going to be focused heavy on. Everybody thought it was going to be a Transformers movie, but you were going to have the Rise. They were going to have the Beasts. They were going to focus more on the Beast in this the the Maximals in this more than the Autobots. And it was kind of like there was more on the Autobots with the help of the with the Beast. If they had toned the tone down of that a little bit, or, or excuse me, if they had changed the title in it to something else, or they came up with, as my uh, email came through, or if they came up with, for example, like they said Transformers, whatever, and they had, they teased the Maximals were in it, that would have been fine. But instead, they went ahead and just did this whole thing for whatever reason. They did they did this whole plan around this. And the Maximals are maybe in there, the film, maybe 15, 20 minutes, if that. Now, I will say, when you see the Maximals on screen, they don't go away. They're there. They are, they're at the opening of the film, and they're towards the third act. They're there for everything. So those are my biggest things. And the generic story. Monster finds Big Beam and Light, fights to save the end of the world. Just a generic story you've seen a thousand times, unfortunately. And I will say this, two hours and seven minutes, it was really quick. It, it felt good. But I still sit there and think, like, couldn't you just, like, maybe give me an extra 10, 15 minutes? Just something. And I'm very excited that this is a part of a trilogy they're coming out with. Transformer 1 that's coming out. So I've heard people say, well, is it tied to the Bayverse? I think it is. But I also don't think that they're 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 keen on keeping it like that. I think they're going to do some other things. Like they tease that Megatron is going to be involved in this eventually, and other things. That being said, guys, on a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna give this film a really really solid eight and a half, eight out of ten. I think it's a good film. I think it's worth going to see in the theaters. I definitely. But if you don't want to see in the theaters, I'm sure Paramount Plus will have it on within the first. Three months that it's it, it goes Paramount Plus, it'll be watched. I will watch it again. That being said, a solid film, 8 out of 10. I was actually pleasantly surprised because, you know, Transformers, outside of Bumblebee in the first film, they've been pretty lackluster. I mean, last night, good God, was horrible. I mean, Age of Extinction was pretty pretty lazy, I thought. And then, of course, you know, Ridge of, uh, Dark, of the, uh, Dark of the Moon or whatever was okay. And Ridge, Ridge of the Fallen as a kid, I loved, that, I loved the sequel. But as I got older, I realized, like, oh, this isn't that good. So that being said, guys, 8 out of 10 for Transformers Rise of the Beast. So what's coming up on the program? So Father's Day weekend is upon us. I want to see The Flash more than anything in the world. I don't think I'm going to be able to have time to go see it. So I will figure something out to talk about with you guys next week, obviously. Um, Got to get on the phone with Jared Easterbrook, my buddy J-Bone, to see if he can get on the program with me so we can get this going. Um, but yeah, good things happen. We got Money in the Bank coming up for WWE. We got, of course, we have... The Forbidden Door show at the end of June. So I got a lot of program coming out. I don't know if I'm going to watch Forbidden Door yet or not, but obviously, whatever. Still working on getting tickets for SummerSlam. It is what it is. So that being said, guys, I'm going to end the show like I always do. I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is straight up. Y'all have a great day.